hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. Okay, thanks for listening today. We have a uh, special guest, Gary Arrington from Virginia Hunters for the Hungry. Gary, welcome. Thank you so much for having Thank us. you for being here. I think it's kind of a long overdue because we were, we were we had talked about trying to get you on last year when we first started because the Hunters, it's, it's actually, it's Todd because Todd's joining us too. Hey, hello, what's good going morning. on everybody? Good hello, morning, Todd. Hello, hello. You're one of your favorite organizations. Oh, yeah. If not the uh, favorite. It's, it's one of the coolest things. It, it sounds weird when you talk about Hunters for the Hungry, but it's one of the coolest things we do down towards the fishing department here. For whatever reason, it's always fallen on the guys in the fishing department. It's our responsibility down there um, to, to help take these deer in uh, from the hunters out there that are willing to donate to this organization, which we're going to get into that in a little bit, how incredible this organization is and all the good things they do. But it's, it's uh, man, it's just when we'll, we'll get into the facts. And I don't want to steal that thunder, but just what this organization does for the people out there that are less fortunate than maybe yourself or myself. Uh, wow. Good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. It, stuff. It's close to home. So first of all, Gary, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how, how long you've been with Hunters for the Hungry. And uh, I guess let's get into the, uh, the history of Hunters for well, the Hungry. Well, again, I grew up in Franklin County, and the only thing we were ever known for was making moonshine whiskey. Um, <laughs> played a lot of baseball, did a lot of hunting. I always wanted to be a game warden. And, that, and finally, my dream came true after I got out of college. I went to work as a game warden, and they stuck me in tidewater, you know, with all the swamps and stuff. <laughs> and uh, it, it was a learning experience and a big curve because they had roads down there already. They had like three and four lanes. And, you know, where we were, we didn't have but a few stoplights. Right. And we thought, they were an inconvenience but um but no you know as as i made my progression through the game warden ranks i met a guy named david horn and david was a small man in stature but david founded hunters for the hungry and you know i thought of all the things when i'm out there so many times people would call me because somebody's spotlighting a deer or shooting from the road it just seemed to be some negative stuff and to me hunters for the hungry was the best feather in the cap that a hunter could ask for you know it's it's a great way to promote hunting heritage in a positive way with the game department having to manage that resource what a great way to take a a god-given renewable natural resource and give it to our most precious resource and that's our fellow man so i just kind of latched on it to it i met david we did some seminars and long story short um Next thing you know, you know, David, I was visiting David at UVA when he was diagnosed with cancer, and he asked me then if I'd come to work for the program, and I was like, bud, man, I I love chasing bad guys and girls too much, you know, and I (laughs) turned him down, and he passed away on uh, February 14th of 2002, and shortly after that, um, the director, then director Laura, who had taken over, came and asked me, along with David's widow, uh, Debbie, uh, would you be willing to come work for the program, you know, and I was in line to be a captain, and it, you know, we have a special needs son, so it was kind of a big step out of the boat in faith uh, because it was a step back. But you know, I've been with the program now 19 years. Um, Laura retired in 2019, and I took the, the board offered me a directorship. And while it's been extremely challenging, um, I told her last year. Uh, We honored her for her 17 years as director and 26 years with the program. But I told her she got out at a good time because we were dealing with COVID and CWD. So, um, (laughs) you know, just a few challenges. But 
It has just been a blessing. Our family's always been provided for. And I think for me, it's a blessing to know that I get up every day, and though it can be struggling at times, especially over the last few years, and I do something that God's asked us to do, and that's to care for our fellow man. And and I'm a hunter. I love to hunt. My wife hunts. That's some of the best time we spend together. So for us to get out there and think that we're a family uh, and we feed families who are struggling with hunger is a true blessing to us. Yeah, because believe it or not, that that still exists. Hunger is out there. And, you know, the, the way that this organization operates and, and the ability to, to give back, you know, by doing something that you love is, is it's incredible. Uh, well, and yeah. I tell people hunger is not just during hunting season. Right. Absolutely. People are hungry 12 months out of a year. Absolutely. Yep. So over the years, um, you, you brought some interesting statistics, you know, um, since it, since the program, I guess it when it since it began, it has processed and distributed over seven point five million pounds. Isn't that mind boggling? I know the first year, Incredible. David set this goal. He goes, you know what? We're going to see if because they started out as a little pilot program, and they said we're going to see if the hunters would be willing to donate fifteen thousand pounds of meat, and that was the first year's goal in ninety one. That first year alone, they did thirty three thousand nine hundred forty eight pounds. Wow. Now we like to break that down to where the rubber meets the road as a quarter pound serving of meat that would go on somebody's plate, and that was one hundred thirty five thousand seven hundred 92 servings but since that date and i remember david saying man i believe we could do 250,000 pounds a year well you know we've done upwards of 410,000 in 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 a few different years but we've done over 30.3 million servings and i thought it was so appropriate that last year we celebrated our 30th anniversary and in that same year we reached the 30 million serving mark that's That's awesome amazing that's awesome Mm. So when you talk about these quarter pound servings, um, rubber meets the road, right? So you have a hunter out there that harvested deer and they bring them to one of the drop off stations, which, you know, we'll cover that. But Green Top is one of those drop off stations. Mm -hmm. If you harvest a deer and and you don't have room for it in your freezer or you just right off, right out, right out the gate, you want you want to help your fellow man. You want to take care of those folks. You bring it here, you drop it off, it goes and gets processed, a quarter pound serving. What happens then? Where, where does it go that these quarter pound servings, you know, where, where is it? Are you going door to door? Is it to shelters? Where, where are you helping? Is it a little bit of everything? Well, absolutely. And David was a, a genius. I mean, he loved God's great outdoors. He's a big hunter. But David didn't see any need to reinvent the wheel. So he works with, well, he got it set up. And we work with participating processors who are already in business to, to harvest and process the deer and then we enroll feeding programs all across the state anybody that that has a feeding program that desires to receive meat whether it's the richmond area food bank feed more um, whether it's um, highland heights baptist church in lynchburg if they enroll to participate then we what we've done is we set up processors in that local area Mm -hmm. so let's just say somebody brings a bunch of meat or deer rather here to green top and that's taken to burke's farm processing the meat is skinned, cut, wrapped, and frozen. And then I have a list of, pro- of feeding programs that are assigned to Burke's Farm. One of the ways we keep our costs down is that the processors, number one, they give us a little break, but then we don't truck this meat all over. The, the deer that are donated locally are used to feed people locally. So we'll have a list, and I look at what they um, 
maybe how many times a month they feed Mm -hmm. or they distribute, uh, how many clients they serve, whether they're an on-site feeding program or just a distribution site. And then we will actually facilitate getting, if David says, I got 2,000 pounds, I'll look and see in my rotation who hasn't gotten any. And And you're allocated from there. We go through that rotation based on the storage space they have in, in the way of freezer space and all the criteria I just named. But we make sure that they all get some. That is so cool. I, I know for years and years. How long have you been with Green Top? How long has Hunters for the Hungry been participating? Green Top has been supporting us, and I ran a little bit of you know some numbers. I knew we, you would. You sound we, like a numbers we, guy. We keep it. Well, people go, how hey, you keep up with them numbers? I'm like, I deal with them every day. There you go. But we think it's important. It is. Green Top, if you want to break it down to just dollars, right. not not all the merchandise and stuff and all the support they give us for banquets and raffles and all the different fundraisers, they've given us $64,148, okay? And that started in 1993. Greentop has been with us. The program officially started when we got our through the State Corporation Commission mm-hmm. in July of 1992. Greentop came on board immediately, and they've been with us since day one. That's cool. So it is phenomenal the the support that it gives me chill bumps. I mean, it's it really it, it's touching to know that everybody that's been a part of Green Top, whether it's been the board or the people that you know that are in, in the administrative level, mm-hmm. all the way down to the employees. I can come here and shoot, man. I feel like I'm at some little sporting goods store in Bedford County. <laughs> it just made to feel at home, yep. but. You know where their hearts are, and and they support us wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome because I know I, I feel like I don't know how many pounds of that deer meat that, that Green Top has has helped support and, and and contribute over the years. But I, man, I feel like I've drug hundreds of those animals in, into the into those you freezers myself, <laughs> and, and I've always wondered, you know, what what happens from here. So that's it's so cool to hear that, you know, from A to Z, what what happens from the time we put it in that freezer to the time the processor gets it, and and how it's then distributed down to the, the hands and the mouths that need it. So that's that's cool. And now, now the coolest thing is, and this is what we want hunters to know, is that when when that hunter puts that deer in that trailer, uh-huh. and that deer goes down to Burke's farm, and then the, there's a feeding program that receives it, and ultimately the families, you know, the veterans, the the elderly, the homeless, people that need it, get it, it's at no cost. Our program raises all the funds, and we cover all the processing costs associated with every deer that's donated. So, you know, when the the hunter donates it, the feeding program receives it, and the families that get it, it's at no cost to them. That's awesome. And if if anybody wants to, to donate in the state or if anybody knows somebody in need that needs help all this information can come directly from the hunters for the hungry website correct it can okay yep. good says so, um because I, I understand there's other state hunters for the hungry organizations in other states too you know it could be i know north carolina's got one louisiana georgia they're they're all over the country because it's it's a it's a national it's a national thing now um but if somebody is uh, if somebody wants to know where they can drop off a deer, or if they know of a family in need that, and, and where where can they, where is the the meat distributed from? All that information directly from the website, correct? Exactly. Okay. They can go to our menu tab, and we've got about donating. You know, whether it's financially, you can donate a deer. We'll have a copy of our brochure on there that lists all the 
processing and or drop-off sites like the trailers Mm -hmm. in alphabetical order by city and county it's got the contact information there so they can you know maybe find out what hours they're they're available to drop it off or you know when the processor is open for business but yeah we've got that and then we also have a, a sheet that will show all the distribution locations in other words we have about 60 major distribution locations like let's say feed more here locally in the richmond area but underneath that there's probably 2500 um, smaller entities that receive that meat at that from those bigger organizations so we'll have about 60 major ones but it might be some little church food pantry that benefits from the meat that we give to feeding america southwest virginia let's say out of roanoke so there's you know it's at any given time i think they're serving about 98 different feeding programs that they distribute to so you can see how it kind of trickles down and the neat thing about it is number one we provide that essential protein you know small children need that high protein red meat for brain development um the elderly need it to maintain healthy bone structures, but one of the biggest things that they'll tell us is their budgets have already been strained. And when 2020, when COVID hit, we had feeding programs that had people in line like they had never had before. They saw some of them said they saw as much as a 300 percent increase wow. in the Ooh. number of people coming to them for assistance. And the hardest thing a food food bank will tell you: we can get breads, fruits, cereals, pork, and chicken, but they have, they have a hard time getting, getting red, red meat, meat because yeah. if Walmart at the end of the day has say 500 pounds of meat beef available and it's got the expiration date on it it can't just be after that date given to somebody else because right. of the USDA restrictions and criteria however our venison while we use facilities that are inspected um, and some of them are even USDA, that meat doesn't fall under all those restrictions. Okay. So we're able to give it to those folks at no cost. Perfect. Um, so if somebody's dropping a deer off at a, at, at a location, what's the criteria? You know, obviously it has to be in season. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> oh, yeah. that's when the game ward comes out of me, too. Right. <laughs> you know, it's got we, – we ask them for it to be field-dressed yep. and then to have it checked in. Of course, you know, one of the new challenges is DWR now is having it where there's no such thing as going to a check station and getting a check card anymore. Right. It's all done either by app, you know, online or through the telecheck yeah. system. Yeah. So they generate a confirmation number. Mm-hmm. So what we tell folks is, you know, when they drop that deer off, they – take it to let's just say burke's farm and they say i want to give this deer to hunters for the hungry of course you know it's field dressed he's going to ask them to give them the date of kill the county they killed it their name and then their confirmation number and at a minimum we ask for addresses and phone numbers and i know people are reluctant but on two fronts number one we have a standing policy if you buy a raffle ticket from us or you donate a deer your information will never be shared we do recognize every hunter that donates a deer to us on our website at the end of the season because we think it's important you know you sacrifice something that you you know your bounty that you harvested to help us feed people um so we do that but we ask them at a minimum to give a phone number folks are knowing you know we deal with the ehd you know you got your hemorrhagic disease we're dealing with cwd here in virginia now so you know if if we if dwr were to test that deer um then we would want to make sure that hey it came back 
you know, prions detected, we want to to make sure they're notified. Now, in this area, right now, you know, we're we don't have to worry about it. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock <laughs> yeah. on wood. But we do have now have fifteen. Uh, counties that are enrolled in what they call DMAs, disease management areas, and eleven of those counties have had a confirmed test positive. So we're so having far to, this year. Well, this, this since year. since two thousand and ten. Okay. The first deer in Frederick County was detected in twenty ten, and uh, bless her hearts, and uh, it, it originated out of a deer pen in West Virginia, and the guy took the fences down, as I understand it, and the deer just roamed wild, and they had CWD, and it began to spread, mm. and it's not curable. Yeah. I tell people that stuff is the spawn of the devil. Yeah. I mean, you can, it's you bad. know, a deer can salivate in the soil or urinate and have CWD, and it can it can be in that soil for five to eight years and another deer can come along and lick it and they get it so that's how you know we're really trying to make hunters aware that dwr is working so hard and so diligently to monitor it and try to contain it so hunters have to do their part to be aware that they can't kill a deer up in loudon county and bring it down here and think okay i'm cool you know i got away with it dump it out in the woods there you go. Right. You know, if it is in fact infected with CWD, so yeah. so you know, and every hunter up there, they can they can volunteer if they want their deer checked. DWR offers these uh, refrigerated coolers at spots all throughout those DMAs. For us, what we have we have done, even though. The latest studies don't show that CWD affects humans. We want to be proactive in it because it is a prion-based disease, and so is mad cow. So what we do is any county that's had a test positive, we know it's there. We will have any deer that's donated to us is tested before we put it into a food source. We just want to know that we're giving it to those people that depend on us. And our partnership with DWR has been immeasurable i mean it's just been invaluable because they are not only providing the staffing they want to get the sampling but they've also been paying for the testing and that's been huge for our program good man that's i had no idea what um what does the hunters for the hungry other than meat donated what what is it that what are some of the challenges you all are facing today and what what do you guys need to, from from anybody, I mean, is it uh, is there anything in particular you guys are looking for that that would help improve um, the organization? Anything? Well, you know, they say the dollar drives everything. Sure. You know, we, yeah. we we could use dollars. We always need it. We do not want to ever have to be in a position to turn down a deer that somebody wants to donate because right. you know it's not so much whether or not we're looking at. It's all. It's really nice to be able to say, oh, we did seven point five million pounds, but to me. Where it, where it really makes a difference is if you've got a food bank or a feeding program that annually, let's say, they get two or 3,000 pounds of meat from us, and then all of a sudden they get none. Yeah. You know, they, they depend on us to, to be able to, to provide that to them. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, one of the things that we have a challenge is right now is we need more refrigerated coolers like what we have here at Green Top. Um, processing. That's something else. If we tell people, if you know somebody that's got a processing business, I live in Bedford. We're based out of Big Island, which is in Bedford. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that processes out, say, in Wythe County or Dickinson or Wise. Or, you know, if you know somebody that processes, let us know because 
processing is a dying art form. Um, we are losing processors who are retiring. Um, I had a guy call me the other week, said, hey, man, I've been doing this almost 40 years. I'm arthritic, you know, in my fingers. I'm turning 75. And he said, I offered it to my kids, I offered it to my family, and nobody wants it. It's labor intensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're standing there all day skinning deer, and then you got to cut them, and then you're processing them on those bandsaws. Um, so, so really, we, we need processors uh, in areas where we don't have processors or we have big voids. We could use those refrigerated coolers, um, you know, and we, we need the meat. I mean, that's the thing that's been the challenge. It's been like a two-edged sword. Yeah. COVID rolls in, things get shut down. You know, people aren't don't have the money to send to our program, but yet you got feeding programs calling you almost daily going, do you have any meat? So, you know, and, and for us, it's, it's, it's like we need deer and dollars so we can put the two together to make a difference in somebody's life. Um, but those are our biggest challenges right now are having the, keeping the funds in place and having processing locations or, or coolers. Right on. And, you know, one of the neat things I'll add is that you don't have to be a hunter to support what we do. We oh, tell people, not. you know, that if you if you've been blessed and you can provide a financial gift, that's great. Uh, you know, if you if you're good at public speaking and you want to go present to your Ruiton club, you know, Ruiton is the largest civic organization that has supported us since 1996. They average probably between forty and fifty thousand dollars a year that we get from Ruiton gifts, and they're all matched by Dibert Valve here locally and the Fruhoff Foundation and the Morris Foundation. So so if they give us a dollar it actually is two dollars so you know we tell people if you can give a presentation on our behalf because when you figure about 300 Ruiton clubs and they all want you to come and speak we love to and don't get me wrong it's the best fellowship in the world and if you leave there hungry it's your own fault (laughs) but for me you know I'm one man and what people don't realize is we cover the entire state but there's only three employees we got three people that run the entire operation so we rely heavily on volunteers so we could use volunteers. Okay. Well, there's probably listeners that don't know as much about the organization, or they're maybe from a maybe if, if they're either from Virginia or other states, they could be in a part of Virginia that there's not much of a representation there because there's not a donation center there or something like that. That's why I ask. I just if anybody can can help further the the goal and you know uh, to help the organization in any way they can that that's why I ask because uh, I'm sure there's there's lots of things y'all need you know just just word of mouth about the organization always helps you know oh absolutely we yeah. need people to be more aware and what is so neat just recently we've had uh, the the commissioner uh, the new commissioner with VDAX and the person that's overseeing the Virginia Federation of Food Banks have been in contact with our program because they see the impact that we're making. I mean, when you're putting in, you know, average the last five years, 239,452 pounds annually. That's an exact That's, number, that's 950,000 servings. So, you know, we're almost a million servings that we're giving to Virginians. And I tell hunters, you know, look, if you can help us out with a dollar, and I know I fuss at them sometimes because I'm one of them. I feel like I can't. You know, it's kind of like your your mom and dad can fuss at you. But you know, <laughs> we tell them that they'll they'll go out and spend 
how much on gear and all that stuff. If you can give us, when you go buy your license, you know, the license checkoff, yeah. if you can give us five bucks, man, you help us make a big difference because nobody can say anything bad about a hunter who goes out and ethically and responsibly hunts and harvests his deer to give to us to feed people, yeah. to give a needy child, you know. And 50% of the people that get the meat that we distribute are the children and the elderly, two very special groups of people in our society. Yeah. And, and you said that, and, and kind of backing up there just a little bit, you said when, when you go and get your license. So, folks, when you get your license at any licensing agent in the state of Virginia, when you're going through that process and you want your big game license and you want your 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 small game license, you want your archer and your muzzleloader and all that, when you get to the end, there is an option there to donate to Hunters for the Hungry. Um, and we do that here. We're one of Virginia's biggest licensing agents. So when we're in here, you know, our guys are going to ask you, hey, would you like to donate to Hunters for the Hungry today? And, and just just like Gary said here, you know, if you're dropping $120 on a license, if you just spent $500 on Sika gear, if you've got that $2,000 Hoyt bow that you're climbing that tree with or, or that rifle that maybe it's a 500-yard long-range muzzleloader, you have made that investment. You you have made that commitment. At that point, make a five dollar decision to, to help somebody that, that maybe can't help themselves quite as much. It's it's, it's not that big a deal, for but it is for bucks, some people. Yeah. We can do fifteen servings. Look at that. For every people. dollar, we can do three of those quarter pound servings. And you know you can't. You know they talk about McDonald's. You can't get a little little cheeseburgers for a dollar. <laughs> right. And you know it's not a, it's not a quarter pound. You <laughs> no, know? it is not. <laughs> and so you know we tell people that. Not even it, sure if it's beef. No, <laughs> no I, we won't go there. It's not venison. I can tell you that. Right. But you know you're right. And and you know and the, the neat thing about that bill it it was called the David H Horn Hunger Relief Bill. David was working on the vision and the meat of that bill uh, at the time that he passed away. And so after he passed, they they passed the bill, and at that point in time, you could donate two dollars or less. But they have since gone back and, and redid the bill, and you can donate as much as you want. So if you're a hunter, and man, God's blessed you, and you say, you know what, I'm gonna throw an extra twenty dollars. You could tell the folks at the Green Top Counter add twenty dollars to my to my license purchase. DWR. We'll earmark those dollars, and we get quarterly checks for all of those license purchases for people that donate. And it's been huge. So we just ask hunters, you know, think about the blessings that you have, that you, like you said, you can go out and afford the different things that let you go out and enjoy God's great creation and the, the hunting, you know, tradition, or take your, you know, your child out there or share it with your grandpa. Think about those blessings, but then think about a lot of people that don't have that blessing. They're just wondering where they're going to get something to eat. And the other thing I tell hunters, uh, being a hunter, is that in these big cities, it's a shame that in northern Virginia, in the inner city, there are more feeding programs that we give meat to than anywhere else in the state. And you know, and, and you think, well, man, that's where all the money is. All the wealth but you is, know yeah. what? There are more people there in need. And I tell hunters, look, while a lot of these young people, especially those children, they may never hunt. They may they may grow up and they'll say, you know what, I don't know what hunting is. I don't want to do it. But they're going to remember that because somebody hunted, they got something to eat. Yeah. And I just think it's a great investment that, that a hunter can make. And I'm not just saying it because, you know, I, I work with Hunters for the Hungry. I'm saying that we're a team effort. And anything that this program has done, those fancy numbers and all that accomplishment and achievements is because of hunters, non-hunters 
great folks like Green Top and the people that make it up and all the businesses and organizations that have given so generously to us, that's how we've been able to make a difference. Yeah. It changes your perspective, too, when you learn more about Hunters for the Hungry and, and what what the the whole purpose of it is and the goal. You know, it'll it'll change a hunter's perspective every year that instead of instead of going after that big buck, you know what? Maybe they're going to set a goal. I'm going to donate at least one deer to Hunters for the Hungry this year, or I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to get three other guys in my hunt club to to do the same. You know. Yeah. Think it, about that. When you purchase your big game tags, you're going to you, you get you get six deer tags. Yep. You know. Uh, or you may be on a DMAC program. Maybe at, you at are. A hunt club. I mean, that's one. That is one, and that, that's an opportunity for you to get out there to enjoy your time afield, to enjoy your time with your family, to you know, to get your your mental relaxation, what, whatever it may be, and then take that one. If it's just if it's just one, if it's two, if it's four, if it's if it's ten, as long as they're legal, that's great. But just that one, think think about that. You can make a huge difference, an incredible impact with just that one. So I don't know, maybe challenge that for yourself this year. I know yeah. I will. Yeah, absolutely. I know I know some hunters that that's the very first deer that they harvest every year, it comes to our program. That's good. You know, and so then, but we have noticed, like last year, um, you know, with the current economic, it began kind of in October, that downturn. I had processors that had to stop taking deer for as much as six days during general firearms because their coolers were full. And yeah. they had never been full before. And the report they gave me was they like, hey, Gary, guess what? I'm packed. I can't take any more deer. I got 500 deer in this cooler. And guess what? Most of them aren't for you. I've got people that are killing more than one that where they've been just doing a deer with me they're doing two and three to put in their own freezer because of the availability and the cost of beef yeah so you know so we want people provide for your family first sure but if you are so blessed and you know with the liberal bag limits i mean in these cwd counties um the season starts next saturday rifle season yeah so they get to shoot them all through sep- september the 30th then bow season opens and then after bow season, you got muzzleloader, you got the general firearm season, and then their season opens back up on January the 8th, and it'll run till March 26th with firearms. So the opportunity is there for them to harvest, you know, a number of deer. Um, and with the bag limits that, like you was talking about, they get six tags, they go by bonus, you know, permits, um, and, you know, they can, I think, at one earn a, point— earn a buck. You know, that's how you earn a buck in an earn a buck county, you know. Real quick. Yeah. Shoot a yeah. doe, earn a buck. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we tell them, say, just think about us as, you, as you're able to get out there and, you know, you can continue to hunt, do what you want, enjoy that time away from work or whatever, um, and decompress. But you can also, if you're blessed to harvest an extra deer or two, we could use them. And then if you're also blessed that when you buy that license, you can give that $5. You know, if every, I think there's an estimated 200,000 licensed hunters in the state. Could you imagine if every hunter gave us 5 bucks? Yeah. yeah, I mean that would be probably half of our budget for yeah. the whole year. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't realize, and I tell hunters this, that they'll start buying those licenses now because they're getting the itch. It, it's time. That's, I'm we feeling see it, it every myself. day. Picking up. Okay. Yep. So what we tell them to do is consider the fact that I put together a budget in January. Our board approves it the first of February. We historically don't receive 75% of our whole budget the last four months of the year. Now, granted, that's it's good because that's when we start getting all the processing bills. Right. But it's hard to figure, okay, I'm going to set a budget at 
$600,000, and 300000 of it's got to go to process venison. And, Lord, please bless us that we get that, because if we don't receive it, then we have to stop taking deer. That's a faith-based gamble there. It is. Yeah. And, and and historically, that's the way it's been. Now, we're we're working diligently to, to make people more aware of what we talked about earlier, that you know, people are hungry 12 months out of the year. Uh, we're working with Farm Bureau and a lot of groups. Uh, there are deer that are being taken in culling operations in cities, towns, and municipalities. Uh, once the season goes out, the general season, which this year will be January the 7th. But – like, I can name several cities. They do culling operations where I know one day they got a kill permit for 250 deer in that in that city last year. So so we get those deer, but we've got to have dollars, and here we are right at the end of the season. We've paid all those processing bills so we can use dollars because we're going to get deer all the way up till about March. Mm-hmm. Um, in northern Virginia, they got a bow season that lasts until the end of April, and they're doing constant culling operations. If you're a deer and you get around any of our airports, you're not going to fare too well because they have to have kill permits and keep those deer numbers down because you could you don't need you know a deer crashing into an airplane trying to land. And so so we tell people these these folks are doing it to enhance public safety around the roadways and airports. We are working to get all those deer. We're trying to work with farmers, but again, that's where we could use more processors because. I've I've got some that, man, they bust it from 1st of September until about the end of January, and then they take a break. Yeah, I don't blame you them. Know, so they're not available in the a, summer. That's a long season. Yeah. 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 You know. Well, you know, and, if, and for anybody listening that has not ever had venison, it's delicious. Oh, yeah. It I, really is. I don't think in my house. And it's and, good. It's so lean and good for oh, you. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, and, and I was going to say, in, in my house, and, and I could be off here, but I would say in the last 10 years, we have probably purchased less than 10 pounds of ground beef because I'm able and blessed to keep ground venison in my freezer over the course of the last year. I've had that ground elk in my freezer yeah lucky. That, was, that was really good uh, <laughs> i can only imagine it, right? i've had right alpha now. gal since january of last <laughs> oh, year no and 21 and it has been the you know you think about it, what makes your heart sink when that gastro guy told me i had that and i said is that what i think it is and he said yeah so he took me off of all red meat no mm. venison no beef no pork no bacon no sausage no butter cheese milk or mayonnaise <laughs> and i went for 10 months and just in october my blood work allowed me to start introducing a little bit of pork but man i still can't eat any uh, venison and it's been making it's me been cry. hard on this old boy like, yeah it, trust me i've shed a few tears over it i bet <sighs> i bet so gary you mentioned you uh you were a game warden mm-hmm. um and i'm i've always wondered you know I can hear just working here. I've talked to game wards, police officers, even firefighters, military guys for the years, and I've heard some crazy stories. Some of the craziest stories I've ever heard came from game wards. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. As a, well, of course, now they're conservation police, conservation yeah. officers. Yeah. I yes. say game warden because yeah. you know that back in the day we were game wardens. Yeah, but, that's right. But you know the the, the professionalism and and the the young men and the women that they've got working in there now is. The, you know the the requirements and what they the desire and the dedication hasn't changed That's but right. yeah you see you see some stuff you got sure. uh, you got uh, any particular story or crazy instance something that might have happened that 
stands well, out. Well, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not so much. I wish you could see this guy smiling right <laughs> now. It's not so much a crazy story, but it's funny how things evolve. Right. I had a guy, you know, was getting these complaints about this guy riding around shooting deer out the window of his truck during hunting season, and he had this kid with him. And, you know, it, so we start looking around. I get a little bit of description here and there. And the next thing you know, this the young kid gets in a pickle because I wind up stopping this truck and I start interviewing them and the next thing you know I wind up seizing the guy's gun and it didn't belong to him it belonged to this little kid's father who was a sheriff's deputy Oh, and so Uh-oh. when he called me he was not a happy camper and he wanted to know what's going on well he gets Junior to the side and Junior starts laying it out there and Singing so like Junior agreed to meet me on a Sunday and he took me around to every spot that they had gone and shot deer. I mean, this vehicle had shot a deer in a farmer's field and drove all the way down his long driveway, stopped right near his house, and then he sends his kid out there and they go get the deer. I mean, and didn't care. People looking out the window at him. Wow. And it's like, but yeah, when it was all said and done and I went and got the warrants to serve to search that guy's house, man, he it was it was not a pretty sight. Mm. But what was so weird was we seized all these firearms. I had all these shell casings. I had pictures where they had gone to this one favorite spot under a bridge to gut the deer. And, you know, and dump, they took what they wanted and dump it. But this is what this guy was teaching this young kid. Yeah. And, unfortunately, the dad and mom were, were split, and he was living with mom, and dad didn't know it. They had no but idea. The, yeah. the, here's where it really culminates is that when I took the guy to court, they hammered him. Not, I mean, juvenile court judge took his license for three years, gave him thousands of dollars of fines. We seized those guns, and we cut them up with torches. Um, and, it, and, and yet, while he treated me and cursed me and threw things and did all that he did, but when it was all said and done, it was so funny because he got in touch with me and told me that I taught him one of the most valuable lessons of his entire life. The guy came and built my basement, and he worked in construction. He needed some help. He needed a job. He was out of work, and I let him come up and build my basement in, and that kind of got him started back because some of the other people I knew. So, you know, it was so funny. I thought that at the time, you know, people can change. Yeah. And, and he told me, he said, even through it all, he said, I treated you like crap, and you treated me with respect. And, you know, and I said, well, look, man, you know, I had to do my job. He yeah. said, well, you did it way too good, he thought. <laughs> but, you know, but it was amazing at, you know, what that one case yeah. did. And, you know, then there's been, you know, I mean, I've been shot at. Uh, you know, it's it's been it, – it's had its highs and lows. Let's yeah. just put it that way. But, yep. you know, I do miss it. Um, a lot of the folks that I was working with, some of them have already retired. Some of them have passed away. Um, and I see these – the new guys and gals out there doing it. And, you know, and I just have a, a special heartfelt, you know, desire and care for them and the, the department. I mean, there's a lot of people at DWR. I just met with some of them yesterday as we continue to collaborate and try to work through this CWD stuff, and they're always there. You know, the, the relationship uh, has just been a blessing to our program. Well, Gary, uh, again, this is it's my one of it's one of my favorite organizations, and um, you know, I'm 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 kind of honored 
to be able to tell people that that we participate in that and 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 what this organization is all about and and i love every every time i see somebody walk out of here either they're wearing or they're buying a hunters for the hungry sweatshirt or a t-shirt or which will be here very soon hopefully very soon. mid to late yeah. september we'll have them coming here. in exactly. soon they, yep. they don't last long so. hand delivered by mr gary errington that's exactly. right exactly and you know what you say it's an honor i say it's a blessing because you and you guys all – I mean, like, I can't say it enough that we we have been so embraced here by the, the people. And, you know, there's Green Top, but Green Top is made up of its employees. And they're some of the best ever. You know, it doesn't matter who I am. When I walk in here, I get the best service I could ever ask for. And, you know, then to see how it just kind of evolves as, as, a, as a Green Top corporation, all that you guys have done to help us make that difference. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Again, thank you for being here today, Gary. Please remember to donate when you buy that license this year. Yeah, we're going to have that cooler here uh, to yep. drop those those deer off uh, that you harvest. The cooler should be here by the first week of bow season. Yep. So if, you are, if you're fortunate enough to get out there and harvest one early in the year, we will have that cooler here at Green Top early bow season all the way through the end of general firearms. Uh, the way it works is make sure you, again, make sure you field dress that deer. Make sure that deer is harvested legally. Make sure that deer is checked in. When you come on in here, if you can give us a call ahead of time, call down to the fishing department. I know that sounds crazy, but call down to the fishing department. Let us know you're coming in. And uh, we can have some guys meet you outside. We'll just grab some information from you. And uh, should we need to, we can help you load into the cooler as well. Um, it's, it's something that we love doing year in and year out and, like, being part of it. So, yeah, just make sure you do that for us. You guys going to be at Expo as well? We're, well, I wouldn't miss it for oh, nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's coming up soon, first weekend of October. Yes, so it is. Uh, you guys will be at uh, Expo with us, too. So uh, you, you, among 220 other vendors. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah. be, be a party. It's going to be a party. As the elf said, it's ginormous. <laughs> it, is, it is good, you know. <laughs> well, Gary, thanks again for being here on the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to donate and uh, check out the website for Hunters for the Hungry. Um, you can get the backstory. You can get um, locations, all the information you need from their website. You guys on social media? So uh, Yeah, we actually, uh, Hunters for the Hungry Dash Virginia is our like page. We have a fa- uh, Hunters for the Hungry group, and our, our website is www.h, the number four, the word hungry.org. H4hungry.org. Yep. All right. Excellent. Gary, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.